They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. And trust me, this talk has nothing to do with the paranormal. A much harder truth for me is that I have a deep aversion to the non-physical, spiritual aspects of dying that goes back to my childhood. My point here is I didn't choose this topic of dying. I feel it has chosen or followed me throughout my life, personally and professionally. Medical training is learning how to defy death. And when you can't defy it, you deny it in whole or in part. I learned that end-of-life experience are the subjective experiences of the dying and often refer to pre-death dreams and visions. Such experiences have been reported throughout history and across cultures. They're mentioned in the Bible, Plato's Republic, Shakespeare. In our culture, the richest and most thoughtful discussions have always come from the humanities and never medicine, but from poets and playwrights and philosophers. These observers have commented that end-of-life experiences are so frequent they're essentially intrinsic to the process of dying. They're characterized as real, intense, meaningful, provide comfort, insight, and in so doing, help alleviate the fear of dying. So why does medicine have so little to say about something that's so meaningful and actually potentially therapeutic, not just for the patient, but for the patient's loved ones? In part, it's because end-of-life experiences can easily be dismissed as confusion. And it's true. Many dying patients experience confusion as they go through the process. However, in contrast to patients' experience with end-of-life dreams and visions, confused patients are detached. They have disorganized thinking. They are unable to figure out their surroundings, and they are more often than not terribly agitated and anxious. End-of-life experiences are not only tied to our personal meanings, but they're tied to some of our greatest needs. The need, the need to, love, to love, to be loved, be loved nurtured, nurtured, forgiven. forgiven. End-of-life experiences also represent a rich interconnectivity between body and soul, between the realities we know, those we don't, between our past and our present. But most importantly, end-of-life experiences represent continuity between and across lives, both living and dead. Welcome back to another episode of the 101 Podcast. I don't know if I got a... Do I have a filter going on through my my mic? Because last night I was doing something and I kind of put a <laughs> compressor on it and, I, and it kind of sounds weird. I don't know. I think it sounds good. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of the show, ladies and gentlemen and non-binaries, if you listen to the show. Today we are joined by Jeffrey Davis from the Functionally Dysfunctional Show. Or did I say that What's wrong? Up? 
No, you got it. It was perfect. Oh, shit. Is it dysfunctionally? No, it's functionally. A functionally dis- dysfunctional show. Yeah. Well, anyways, that that show. <laughs> and make sure to follow me on social media at the 101 Podcast on all social media, media platforms. Make sure to follow the Telegram, TikTok, Instagram, rockfin.com slash the 101 Podcast, patreon.com slash the 101 Podcast. All the good shit. You know what to do. You know what to do. Leave us a review. All that good stuff. Because you're awesome, and this show's great, and Jeffrey's great. Jeffrey, you want to plug your stuff? Yeah, like butt plug? or Oh, no, no, the, the podcast stuff. Yeah, Never mind. Pod- <laughs> that's for later, bro. That's the OnlyFans stuff. Oh, shit. Yeah, we keep that shit separate. No, um, you can find me at the all, all stuff my show at defunctionallydysfunctionalshow.com, and all the social links are from there since got a little bit different usernames at different places because of stupid character limits and asshole hackers trying to take advantage of take control of accounts and shit so just the funky dysfunctional show.com and that'll get you to all the episodes and all the socials i've never met anyone in my life who has gone hacked as much as you bro no fucking shit i swear to god it's because i have my own satellite at this point in time and they're like the powers that be are letting people fucking walk into my accounts and take shit over and you're getting too close to the truth, and you know what happens when you get too close to FBI, open up! Start, they start <laughs> a-knocking, bro. I fucked that one up. <laughs> bro, I've scared... That caught me so- off guard. I really thought you were getting raided for a second. I've scared so many guests with that, dude. I'll be like, yeah, you gotta be careful when you're too close. To- oh, bro, people people jump up in their chair like, oh, wow, that's... that's- Look at it. Yo, check this out. Check this, check this little light out. This little light on my... You see that? Oh, yeah. What is that? It's on my mic stand, and I can... That's dope. Yeah, instead of getting an on-air sign, I have it on my mic stand. That's dope. I like that. Yeah, I can change the color, too. It can go to blue or purple. Ooh. There you go. Fancy, fancy. So when you start getting too close to the truth, Jeffrey, this is when things start going haywire, I think. That is. Or you just fucking suck, and you just keep getting hacked. I mean, that's there's there's two polarizations, you know what I mean? It's like... What could you possibly do to be on these people? Like, what could you possibly talk about? Other than, obviously, the pedophilia stuff. that I, I feel like they don't like that. Because all researchers that I know, dude, in this podcasting community who have dove down those rabbit holes uh-huh. have either died from a really? sickness or have committed suicide. Which rabbit hole? The pedophilia and the oh, really? whole Disney. Yeah, that's why, like, I've been told before, like, hey, don't look down this rabbit hole. I don't know if you noticed really? my new title, The Rabbit Hole Master. And Oh, shit, bitch. That would be exactly the rabbit hole I would dive down. <laughs> that's that's the way I'm wired, man. If you're like, don't do that one, I'm going to be like, here we go, bitch. <laughs> well, one thing is looking into it. Another thing is actually going on a podcast and talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, there's two separate sides to that fuck them fuck them you want to fight bring it well that's how you get suicided with two shots to the back of the head bro because i mean there was like this tweet that i saw today of somebody somebody was like oh well i'm an elite and i've never heard of these blood sacrifices and these orgies and all this sex magic and stuff and it's like bro the people on the Forbes 100 list are the people you need to least worry about. You have mm-hmm. what, what's the whole thing right now with Elon Musk and him trying to take over Twitter and people are mm-hmm. freaking out. Who gives a fuck, man? Like, who cares about that type of stuff? 
Right. But, but they put it in line to distract people. You know what I mean? Like, this is just a, another distraction. Right. I went to eat sushi yesterday with my wife and my kid, and the, they had CNN on. That was just propaganda yeah. after propaganda. We're getting ready for nukes. We're getting ready for this. We're getting ready for that. Putin this, Putin that. I'm like, and, and you see the, the the waiters like looking up at the TV. They're watching this stuff. People are coming in and out. Yeah. But what what are your thoughts on nuclear weapons, dude? Because, you know, being in this conspiracy community, that sometimes there's a lot of, how do I say this? Because you wanted to talk about crowd psychology, and I can I, I recently just did an episode on that and the way it cool. works, right? The way that we caught that one yet? Uh, uh, Gust- well, it's not out yet, so it's the Occult okay, Book Club number four, and uh, it's the Crowd by Gustav Lebon, and it's a book about the father of modern day crowd psychology, and he breaks it down. But you know, being a conspiracy in the conspiracy community right there are these ideas that float around sometimes that are and i don't want to use the word dangerous but kind of dangerous you know what i mean Hmm. for example nukes aren't real do you believe in nukes jeffrey i've never considered the fact that they don't exist um if they do exist and if what we've been told by the they the collective they right if oh the lizards, the the what? The lizards. Um, if they've if they've weighed in on it, <laughs> I guess they can be part of the they. You believe in you lizards, know, if, bro? If um, I don't, man, I approach all of that <laughs> with, and this is not me being evasive. I get accused of that, but you're like a matador yeah, today, bro. You're usually like pretty straight on. Is the government on to you, bro? Tell me the truth. Come on. I'm sure they. I, I'm not joking when I'm pretty sure I have my. Own FBI and ATF agent and probably a satellite at this point. <laughs> but no, when it comes to... So I will say, I do appear to be elusive sometimes, or evasive rather, when someone asks me, do I believe in something? Because, you know, I've been on the show a couple times, talked about my background, and I have baggage associated to those... Tell the people belief. your background for the first-time listeners, Jeffrey. First-time listeners, I'm a... Uh, I was... Born and raised in the church, groomed by a lot of lofty people to become professional minister. Groomed, groomed by prof- yeah, lofty people to be a lofty professional minister, in which I succeeded in doing so. Traveled the country preaching, started a church, da 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 da, da and then just through nothing bad happened. Everyone goes, "Oh, you got burnt." No, bitch, nothing bad happened. I just started pulling at the sweater. At, at the thread and the whole sweater unraveled and right. that's just the way it is and now i don't claim to be see funny thing is i think this is a little aside i think being an atheist takes as much faith as being a believer in a god because you can't prove a god does not exist likewise you can't prove that a god does exist they both require faith and people that are skilled in in debate are going to say oh i just committed a logical fallacy because you can't prove a negative but i don't think that applies when we're talking about the, the non-existence of a God. You have to be able to prove that a God does not exist. I don't think that falls into the prove a negative fallacy um, because that's you have to account for the fact that we don't know everything. We know a fra- tiny fraction of, ev- of everything. Anyway, so I think those rules are a bit different. But so, um, so yes, yeah, so when someone says, well, do you believe in? Well, I don't know. 
Uh, that That's a hard word for me. It also doesn't mean, and, and if I haven't considered that, so you lizard people. Well, I have no reason to believe in lizard, in, in you know, lizard beings in a hollow earth. I have no reason to disbelieve in that. So, so just like the notion of a god or god's existence, I'll say for me the jury is out until evidence is brought forth <laughs> definitively either way, <laughs> right? So when it comes to belief, I, now now that's it. That being said, those questions: Do you believe in? What do you think about? Those are what drive me to look into things, and I do so without a bias because I'm. That's what being free of faith and dogma does for me. I'm able to look at anything I want to with completely open eyes and not give a shit what I find. I just want to find the answers. And more importantly, if I never arrive at the answers, I'm going to find some really cool shit and meet a lot of cool people and come across patterns of or trains of thought and, and uh, other ideas in the journey towards those answers, whether I ever actually get to the answer itself or not, if that makes sense. That's like the long way around that answer. But belief is a word that I have a ton of baggage with, and I'm reluctant to say I believe in anything unless there's definitive proof. Are Other- lizard people real, Jeffrey? They could be. Okay. Willing to concede that? <laughs> they may not be. <laughs> so... You know, I've been, I've been, as I do my research and all this stuff and, you know, dive down these rabbit holes and, and this title was given to me by a Freemason, by the way. So this, that, uh-huh. that right there, I mean, that's, that gives it a ton of credibility. If you have sure. a Freemason telling you that you're a rabbit hole master, I mean, you've made it a little, yeah. you know what I mean? That That's what it's Fuck all yeah. about. So I've been seeing how important it is and not to get all woo woo, but how important it is to have a belief in, and mind you what I'm saying in a God. Okay. Because okay. the more research I do, these ancients, they weren't about, cause you know, they're, they're painted in this light, like, Oh, they believed in all this crazy shit. A lot of these ancients believed in a source. You know what I mean? Sure. And that's what, what I mean by a God. So a source, the one, a, the the divine art artifice or whatever you want to call him but i think it's very important to believe in something in like a central power because how boring not to disrespect anybody but how boring would it be to be like an atheist like a nihilistic if no i'm just here damn bro just like that it's well, like, like i said i think that requires a ton of faith to even make that claim you know because you have no evidence to support that. I mean, okay, you can look at it and go, well, we don't know. Well, bitch, we if 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 the if the universe was like a major metropolitan area and we live on a a cul-de-sac in that major metropolitan area and we haven't even sent we haven't even gone to our nearest next door neighbor to get eyes on to see if anyone's home. Well, we sent some fucking space, robots there. Is space even real? Well, is space never even considered real, it, bro? Because I mean, you have those people who they don't they think that space and the planets are a projection system. I just had a guy on the other day talking about the holographic moon and some crazy projection I've heard and a little bit about the holographic universe theory a little bit no no holographic oh i mean i don't know about yeah i've heard of holographic too but 
it's all things that when you really get into it, dude, it's it's so convoluted. And not only that, but it's like how Plato talked about when you name something, right? The theory of forms, when you name something, you're automatically capping it off. Everything is infinite. Okay. And sure. you by naming it, you by putting a label on it, you're automatically capping it off. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think we tend to do that, but I don't think we I don't think it has to be that. I think you can find like that that's if you want to talk about fact and science-based findings that's bad science right you don't come to a conclusion after you go through the scientific method and go okay well that's that and you that's fact can't ever change and move on you have to continually revisit and retest things with new information and just because what you found what may or may not be what we know quote unquote which is a super loose term because we're (laughs) tiny tiny beings with very finite knowledge um and what we know now doesn't really matter it's what we know for now and i don't think you have to put the cap on it i think we do so accidentally Mm. oftentimes Mm -hmm. but i don't think just because we okay well here's what we understand about quantum physics right now that doesn't mean we understand quantum physics at all Mm -hmm. means is how what we understand right now Mm -hmm. tomorrow the next year the next decade, whatever, we might know more. And we can get into the Akashic Record and accessing all that and whether or not that exists and and where does knowledge even understand even come from? Why do some people seem to be more sage-like and other complete retards? <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know. Um is it is reincarnation a thing? Has have people that are more sage-like and more wise or have more intuition or they just have they had more incarnations than someone that's you know a caveman in all essence i don't know (laughs) things that that i lay awake and think about but you know i wanted to do something fun do it and we have here i wanted to bring up a couple thought experiments because i think those really I think a lot of them are really fun, and and when you really start thinking about them, they can get pretty crazy. I think I've talked to you about Boltzmann brain before, haven't I? Uh, It doesn't ring a bell. So you have the Boltzmann brain hypothesis hypothesis suggests that it would be more likely for a single brain to spontaneously and briefly, briefly, geez, form in a void, complete with a memory of having existed in our universe rather than for the universe to come about in the manner cosmologists think it actually did. So what this is, it's got to do with thermodynamic equilibrium. And pretty much there is this constant coagulating and dissolving, right? Baphomet, coagulating, dissolve, of particles, atoms, and all these things in the vastness of space. So due to thermodynamic equilibrium, they say that if this is, True, hypothetically speaking, that a brain could form at the very, for one split second in the vastness and vacuum of space for one, for the smallest time of, of, you know, fraction of whatever. And it will come together, neurons and everything connected. It would form an entire lifetime of memories and everything. And Mm. as soon as that's done, it would, boom, disperse completely. Now. That's scary because if you really think about it, 
you have I believe in people in this world who are put how Sam Tripoli put it puts it this is a haunted house right and you have people NPCs in this realm mm. that are here for texture mm. right that are here just to interesting to fill the void if you will so what if that has to do with that like what if people you know what I mean? Like, what if ideas like the whole Mandela effect thing? What if right. the Mandela effects are due to this, where somehow we know about quantum entanglement, right? Right. How about if somehow that affects the real time, the fabric of time and space, real time? You know what I mean? Like, it influences it because we have the observer effect. Nobody's observing this brain somewhere. So right. God knows know what of. it's doing. You know what I mean? So that, mm -hmm. that, that just raises the fact of all these, what if that's an egregore? You know, what if that's a thought form? What if that's something that just that we've come up with and have influenced us? Because you hear about all these guys all throughout history. You know, the, the famous example is the founding fathers where they had, did you hear about the paranormal experience that they had in the, in the signing of the declaration of independence? No, I've never heard of that. You've never heard of the shadow man inside the chamber? No, no. So the founding fathers, right? They they're one they're wanting to break away from the crown. And the founding fathers, you could arguably say that they were occultists. They were rolling around in occult circles. They were Freemasons. They were Rosicrucians. You name it, they were probably it. And they wanted to break away from the crown, form their own thing. So here they are right. signing this document. Signing their death warrant because if this shit went belly up, if it went tits up, it they would be killed. And anyone who signed that document would be killed. I mean, this is that's their name on it's like, oh, you were behind this, bro? Okay, here we go. Sure. So apparently when everybody was scared to sign this document, there, you know, you know all those movies that you see. What's that one movie with Mel Gibson, uh, Lionheart or something? Where you know these typical scenes where the you Patriot? have who the Patriot? No, the one where he's got his face painted and he's like a Viking. Oh, Braveheart, 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 Braveheart. Yeah. yeah, you know these typical scenes where the main character comes out and gives this crazy speech, like we gotta fucking kill the lizards or whatever. You know what? Whatever right. it is to to get everybody's morals up. Apparently, everybody was shitting their pants trying to sign the the. Declaration of Independence or whatever it was called. And Constitution, I don't know. Either either or. You know which one I'm talking about. Who cares? Sure. Until one figure came out and was like, hey, this is why you need to do this because you need to break away. You need to do this. And yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. Everybody's, you know, round up. Mob, mob mentality. And everybody, hey, mob mentality. There you go. And everybody's signing away, bum, bum, bum. And after the fact, they were all looking around so... Who was homeboy that gave the pep, uh, the, the pep talk, the, the, the really? speech? Oh, I thought it was you. No, I thought it was Tom, Thomas, Thomas Jefferson or whoever. Oh, no, it was it was John Hancock. No, no, it was George Washington. No, it wasn't me either. So who the who the fuck was it? The really? Dude, the, the, the dude from the shadows. The Slender Man in the shadows. Oh, we're going Slender Man. <laughs> Where? Where is he? So they don't know. So what if these things are a that's and that's where the whole alien talk and all this stuff comes in, because there are these things outside the fabric of reality that affect us now. Sure. Oh, absolutely. You said some. you said crowd mentality. OK, 
And that's also a very important thing because according to Gustave Le Bon, which was a French psychologist, uh, he's the father of crowd psychology. He wrote a book in 1895 and it, it was a research, it was a re research study that he did uh, a paper and it's three books. And in those there's various chapters of how to influence crowds. Now, this is a piece of work that was coming around the time of Frederick Nietzsche, right towards the mm -hmm. end of Nietzsche's life. So he was rubbing shoulders with Nietzsche and rubbing shoulders with other influential people of the time. Now, this book was used by, you name it, any famous dictator of, of our time, of, of, of this reality. You have Hitler, you have Mussolini, you have Mao, you have all those fucked up fucks right. using this work. Now, even if they weren't reading this work, they understand how the crowd or a nation sure. or a group of individuals or a congregation works. Look at the church. You know, that I'm sure I don't know if they taught you NLP, but uh, it's a it's a form of it, right? Neurolinguistic right. programming, it's a form of it to be able to how what I, I forgot how you put it that you're able to I forgot what you said that you, you had a word for it where the people who don't believe, the non-believers or something like that where you're able to sway them and just answer questions with more questions in order to, to make them believe? Oh, it's um, called apologetics. Apologetics. Which is ironic because you're not apologizing for anything. But, uh, but yeah, it's called apologetics. So you use the, these techniques. Basically the, the art of defending the faith. Okay, okay, well, there you go. So it's it's an initiation pretty much. I mean, that's what it all, you know, these secret arts, the, the woo, alchemy, whatever you want to call it. So these great and I don't want to say great, these dictators of these times, they understood the crowd psychology. Now, there are certain parameters that define a crowd, according to Laban, and they have to check certain criteria in order to be considered a psychological crowd. But essentially, when they do meet this criteria, the, this congregation of people, they fall into... It's crazy because... Everything that we're talking about is like literal, like, you know, you have physical people meeting up. Sure. There are physical fights. There are physical altercations. But then anybody that talks about this sort of thing always brings in this metaphysical aspect to it. So Gustave Le Bon talked about how there was this contagion that spreads within these groups and the group itself becomes a living organism and they can only interpret certain ideas a certain type of way through suggestion and you have groups hallucinating together because of suggestion and the suggestion is what kickstarts it off so think about the energy that set off the big bang and this in this domino effect of of events after the fact so a suggestion is like hey you know there, there was a story where they, they were on a boat and they're looking for the wreck the wreckage of another boat, right? The, sh the, 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 the remnants. And they're looking for some people. And in the distance, the watcher on top, on the, you know, the top of the boat goes, hey, mm -hmm. there's something over there. There's some people over there. Boom. That's the suggestion. There's some people over there. So everybody on the boat starts looking that way. And somebody says, hey, I think I hear people calling. Another guy says, okay, yeah, I actually sure. do hear people calling. Oh, hey. Another guy says, hey, I see people waving at us. Let's go over there. 
when they pull up to the what they were seeing, it was just a bunch of logs and branches floating in the water. But a collect as a collective, they saw people waving at them and shouting to them. But it was because of one thing, the suggestion. Suggestion. And because of the contagion, it spreads within their group. It's like a hmm. mind parasite. Interesting. So there's this physical thing of it being in the physical world, but then he presents to it and he says, hey, there's a supernatural metaphysical aspect to this phenomenon. Uh, you know, and then he gets into leaders and how leaders have a prestige. And this mm. prestige is this, this infectious and this thing that just gets into that, 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 you know, when you see in the church, the pastor is up top on the altar. He's above you. Oh, sure. He's wearing a suit. He has his little, the little thing, the, was it a pedestal or a pulpit? Yeah, pulpit, pedestal, podium, whatever. Podium. He's got the podium. So automatically, you're looking up at him. You're, oh, yeah. Your body. You're sitting down. You're looking up. Position of authority. Yeah. Position. So that prestige also influences people. You have judges wearing these long robes. Sure. Back then, they had the white wig, so that was a sign of prestige. Right. You know what I mean? So you have all these things of leaders. In the whole factor, again, it's something that you can't really pinpoint, but it's there. And it's amazing that that the metaphysical always exists within the real world. That's what I'm trying to get. It's like, why do we oh, always yeah. refer back to this shit, even if it's woo-woo, you know? No, I think, you know, there's the... I think everything is physical and metaphysical at the same time, right? I mean, there's... You can't say, well, one thing is is completely exists completely in our temporal plane without any connection to any energy in other dimensions. I mean, it it it's too complex to all exist. You all that is is too complex to exist on one single plane, in my opinion. And mm. it, there has to be connections. So one of two things is is or one of at least two things is true. We either we know so little about the nature of existence that we are basically blind to what existence really is, or um, it's that existence is way more complex and existing on multiple dimensions and planes of existence than than we are even aware of yet. Absolutely, and yeah. In my opinion, um, it, it just seems like it's, you know, I, I was just, I was watching a documentary talking about, on the History Channel, talking about the Big Bang just the other day, and I thought, man, that just, it, it doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense to me. And you know who brought um, that idea forth, right? I don't know. It was a Catholic priest in the 1920s. Was it really? Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. All, all, all mass or all energy that would become, you know, energy and matter is condensed in this hyper dense infinite spot of which we've never observed in the in the universe that at least we're told about. And including and here's something I didn't know. So in my brain, like whenever I've heard of the Big Bang before and, and read about it, you always think about like that expanding. And you assume or I've assumed that it's expand that, that all matter and energy expands out into space. Well what this documentary was saying is that space itself was contained in 
the infinite, infinitely dense spot because there was no space, which begs the question, where did that spot exist? What the fuck? Right? <laughs> I've got another one. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um, so, so the, and, and the reason that, that these people were saying this is a relatively new finding, if I'm not mistaken, and they were saying, well, so we know that the, no, quote unquote, that the universe is whatever it is, 18 point whatever billion years old. Well, the distance across the universe is like something like 30 billion light years across. <laughs> well, so we know, always quotes around no, right? We, we always know that, or we, we know that, that nothing can go faster than the speed of light as far as we know. Um, and so how could the universe be larger across than it is old? It couldn't be because time, because it, the, that matter energy hasn't had the time to expand that far. So they have, uh, there's a totally new term to me. This is just like three days ago, literally. I just learned, or I've just heard of this for the first time. There's this term called um, the great expansion. And they think that at the, in the early universe, and so, I'll come back to that. They, they think in the early universe that because space itself was included in that infinitely dense spot that everything expanded and space can go as fast as space wants to. So space was expanding and carrying everything with it until mm. space got to a place where it slowed down. Well, this begs the question, if that infinite dot, and this is a question that I thought to myself, they didn't say it in the documentary. I thought, okay, if, if that infinitely dense, whatever, if that's the case, Huge if, if that's the case, if that's really what happened, and that existed in a some kind of place, void, whatever, dimension that was not in space, space was contained in that, then what would have stopped other universes and other spaces to have expanded at the same time, from the same spot? And of course, I'm talking about the, a multiverse, right? I mean, so... So why would it just create one universe? Well, here that doesn't that also that just that Catholic priest. He said that everything started with a cosmic egg. Oh, okay. I've heard that term before. So tomorrow being Easter, right? <laughs> yep. You have the egg symbolism. You have the egg symbolism in all ancient religions. You know how though the certain creation myths started within an egg, a cosmic egg, mm -hmm. and from there it sprouted. Who the fuck's laying the eggs? Right. I mean, it's, there's <laughs> got to be an origin of everything, right? Or, or now you, you, you could say, well, what if, what if we live in this, like, perpetual rebounding universe, right? The universe expands and then it contracts into infinite density. And then everything starts over again and it expands and we're just doing, doing this for forever. You can, people say that, well, that's what's happening. That's where everything came from. Well, what, where did it come from originally? There had to be a beginning. Uh, as from our my feeble construct of time, right? And then that's where we haven't even talked about time itself, right? I mean, what if time is a construct? What if all what if past, present, and future are all happening at the same time, and time is only a way that in our finite bodies that we experience that uh, passage, 
What if past, present, and future are an illusion? What if everything's happening at the same time? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I believe in that too, bro. So this Boltzmann guy, he talks about how right here, the Boltzmann universe. And it's based on a mathematician's theory. The second law of thermodynamics was absolute rather than statistical. And he talks about how, I'm trying to read it here, is that the universe started for some reason in a low entropy state. The second and alternative theory is the Boltzmann universe scenario. In this scenario, the universe spends the vast majority of eternity in a featureless state of heat death. Hmm. However, over enough eons, eventually a very rare thermal fluctuation will occur where atoms bounce off each other in exactly such a way as to form a substructure equivalent to our entire observable universe. So, uh, Boltzmann argues that while most of the universe is featureless, humans do not see those regions because they are devoid of intelligent life. To Boltzmann, it is unremarkable that humanity views solely the interior of its Boltzmann universe, as that is the only place where intelligible life lives. So, what I mentioned earlier, that's what he's talking about, how these... Law, the thermodynamic equilibrium, There, there's these things that work that eventually just kind of fall into place. Everything is kind of discombobulated at one place, right? Everything's just a blob. But it just, you know, enough times, it's like looking at clouds. Oh, that cloud looks like Mickey Mouse. Oh, that cloud looks like fucking Jeffrey's face. I don't know, whatever. Sure. Eventually, that's what you start to see because everything's constantly moving and just coagulating and discoagulating and right i mean that's the way i can interpret that where these fluctuations and eventually you know how they say about the big bang like it was like the 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 waves they came out of crescendo at the top and from that energy is a boom that's what how everything you know energy because they talk about dark matter and dark energy sure. and all this shit that we don't even understand it's like 95 percent of of the universe is dark matter right the fuck is that? Well, we don't know what it is. And my question is, well, then how the hell can you think it's 95% of the universe? <laughs> right? You can't observe it. You don't know what it is. You can't quantify it. Well, why do you think it's such a high percentage? And that's never made sense to me. So we have spontaneous formation in the universe's eventual state of ergodic heat death. Given enough time, every possible structure including every possible brain gets formed via random fluctuation. So let's look what you up call it? spontaneous, what spontaneous formation. And let's look up what heat death is. Cause they keep bringing up heat death here. Let me look it up real quick. I'm jotting notes of things to look up after our show. Yeah. It's called quantum fluctuate via quantum fluctuation. So uh, the time scale for this is related to point care reoccurrence time. Focus on structures or pursuit. All right. So Boltzmann style thought experiments focus on structures like human brains that are presumably self-aware observers. Wow. Given any arbitrary criteria for what constitutes a Boltzmann brain or planet or universe, smaller structures that minimally and barely meet the criteria are vastly and, ex and exponentially more common than larger structures. So again, a brain is more common given if this is real the spontaneous formation that more than a universe more than something more you know a, a lot bigger and vast right and so 
essentially you could have a ton of little brains being formed all at the same time due to spontaneous formation all throughout the cosmos. So you have a bunch of floating fucking brains in space <laughs> versus the formation of an actual whole planet. Sure. That's wild, bro. If you really think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. There's, I think that there's no doubt that, okay, I have to, I have to give the, the, the room for some doubt. I think there's very little doubt in my mind, at least that, we massively are massively ignorant and or massively misunderstand the nature of our own existence. Oh, 100%. And I want to throw an analogy so people get a better picture. A rough analogy is how the odds of a real English word showing up when one shakes a box of Scrabble letters are greater than the odds that a whole English sentence or paragraph will form. So, again, you have these little clumps of, oh, look, I see the word C. I see the word O, you know, O-H. I see the word I or whatever. Those are those are more prone to form versus entire paragraphs. And, and not saying that sentences can't form eventually sure. with enough time, but the average time scale required for the formation of a Boltzmann brain is vastly greater than the current age of the universe. <laughs> what? Whoa. So how does... Oh, it's a thought. Well, you got to remember it's a thought experiment. In modern physics, Boltzmann brains can be formed either by quantum fluctuation or by thermal fluctuation, generally involving nucleation. Wow! Look at all this stuff, bro. Look at all Ooh. these big words. Nucleation big words. is the first step in the formation of either a new thermodynamic phase or a new structure via self-assembly or self-organization. And we know that atoms observe because of the observer effect. They, they behave differently when you're observing them versus when you're not observing them. So they essentially are their own little tiny brains in a, in a way, mm. uh, even if they don't have a collective consciousness. But when they come together, they form a collective consciousness. Sure. And you can have these brains form. So you got this guy spitting some shit in the eight. Bro, this was in the 1800s, man. This is in, eight, in 18. Right. And everybody probably wrote him off as a devil worshiper and no one thought a thing about what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right, because that's what we do. We don't understand something, or something challenges our beliefs, uh, or, or that we hold so precious and dear, like a fucking teddy bear. Oh, don't know. I don't want to think outside of my own fucking little box, you know. And what you're saying challenges me and scares me. And ah, so you you must be evil. You must be a witch. You must be a devil worshiper. You must be a this or that. Right? Yeah. I mean, we demonize what makes us afraid and uncomfortable well, instead I mean, of going interesting. Let's think about that. Well, Let's the, dive into that. This is what this is meant to do. This is a thought experiment. So it's meant to make, literally made, made to make you think. And this led me down another rabbit hole where I, I ran into a false awakening. Have you ever heard of that? I've used that term. I don't know that it, it didn't know that it had a, a, a official definition. So false awakening, a false awakening is a vivid and convincing dream about awakening from sleep. While the dreamer in reality continues to sleep. Interesting. So a mat, you have lucid dreams. You have something called so lucidity may occur following a dream or following a lucid dream, one in which the dreamer has been aware of dreaming. So when you become aware that oh I'm in a dream, so let me go fly around the universe or whatever, right. and 
we have here pre-lucid dreaming. You have a loop. A false awakening loop is when a subject dreams about waking up over and over again, sometimes even up to 10 times or more, without knowing which time they are actually awake. Have you ever seen uh, the Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio movie Inception? I've watched it, but I've never actually sat down and like watched it. You know what I mean? I feel like that's maybe what that movie's based on, and I didn't mm-hmm. know because these guys, everyone's got their little totem. Like he's got his quarter that he spins or his top that he spins, to, and, and only when he's really awake will the top stop spinning and fall. Mm. Mm-hmm. But so he's checks his thing to see. Well, they say poke when your he's hand. Really awake. I've tried lucid dreaming before, and they say you need to touch your hand. And if your oh, other really? hand goes through your hand, then you're in a lucid dream. But I've never been. I always fall asleep before I'm able. I've I've had sleep paralysis a lot. That's the only really? thing that I've had. Yeah, and you know some people say that's demonic or whatever. But I've only ever seen like the black figures, the shadow people, like one or two times out of all the times that I've. Because it's happened to me enough to where I'm able to snap out of it. But oh, yeah. you do get the sense of dread. Absolutely, you get like the sense of panic before you pull yourself out. Um, I have all right. So this this bothers me as a as an as someone that values empiricism and as a pragmatist. It bothers me to say this, but also accept that there's much that we don't know. And generally speaking, when it comes to a religious person, I dismiss what someone says to me because they quote unquote experienced it. That being said, I'm going to tell you something that I experienced that I can't explain um, with any kind of data. Um, I have my whole life, and it's getting more and more prevalent as I get older for some reason. Um, But I have my whole life been, for whatever reason, visited by ghosts. My whole (laughs) life. My whole life. And just for the first time. What are you talking about, man? Right? Just for the first time ever, and, and they they come in waves, which is odd. Like I'll have um, two or three, and they'll they'll hang out around me, and I'll I'll sometimes I'll feel them, sometimes I'll see them, and I'm talking full bodied people standing the fuck there. out of here, Jeff. No, seriously, and uh, I've never felt scared. I always well, I have one manifested right fucking behind me as I turned around. It wasn't there, then it wasn't that. That made me jump, but. I've never felt threatened, and they go. It, it's about a six month cycle. I'll have I'll have them for two three months, and I won't have one for six months, and then I'll have one for, one or two for two or three months. Right now, I've got a landing at the base of my steps, and I one in a dream told me that she's hanging out she underneath the landing in the steps where she feels comfortable, and it's a she. I can describe her. I can draw her. I can tell you what she looks like, and uh, for the first time ever, I've never felt threatened, but that one. Um, she held me down in a dream for the first time about a month ago. I've never experienced that before. And I was dreaming, and I felt, and I I knew it was time to wake up, and I wanted to wake up. And I saw her holding me down. And I said, you're going to have to let me up. It's time for me to wake up. And she goes, you need to listen. And they don't often speak to me, but, and I said, no, you need to let me go. She goes, you need to listen. I said, okay, what do I need to listen to? And all and she was, you need to listen. And I said, what do I need to listen to? You need to listen. And I said, well, if you're not going to tell me what I need to listen to, you need to let me up. And she let me up, and I woke up. And that was the first time that's ever happened. And I had kind of forgotten about that until you just started talking about this. 
But because I was like, sleep paralysis, that must be weird. And I was like, wait a second, I just experienced that recently. But uh, but yeah. Well, people talk about the old hag sitting on their chest, and that's but that's a a symptom of sleep paralysis. But you're talking oh, about really? something completely different, bro. You're talking about the sixth sense, right? The sixth sense right now, where you're seeing ghosts. <laughs> but I see dead people, like all. I this always shit. have. What when in the I was fuck, re- bro? when I was religious, I used to call them demons, but now I, it's just a re- religious. You take any sort hey. of medication, Jeffrey? No, actually. <laughs> You schizophrenic? Um, you're not telling me, bro. No, I've and I've it's been my whole life. Used to just see him in reflections. Now I see him right in front of me. Oh, dude, you gotta call. You know, you you can fill a prescription again if you <laughs> call the pharmacy, right? And you can. Yeah, that's fucking crazy, bro. I've never said that on Mike on any only people like friends of mine that know about it, but. I've, I've never publicly stated that. Did you ever have like a near-death experience as a kid or anything? I've had lots of near-death experiences. <laughs> no, like legit, bro. Like a yeah, legit. Le- legitimately, I've had lots of near-death experiences. Oh, well, not like near-death, like, you know, out of my body. I mean, like almost died. For yeah, real. yeah. Um, you have almost died. When I, was, <laughs> when I was seven, I had my appendix. I had appendicitis. And usually the appendix will swell up. And yep. that causes a lot of pain. Mine actually ruptured. No well, shit. Yeah, I, mine was that I was the doctor said if they would have waited another 20 minutes or so, I would have been dead. When I when I Damn. went when I was in when they took me in, I was at the borderline. Uh, it's called. Not septic. What is it when your blood is poison? Septic. Yeah. Septic. Yeah, I was borderline right. septic. Like I was like if they, a few more minutes and I would have been poison i would have been like that's it like man uh, so but coincidentally that's why like you know god and all this stuff when they opened me up bro when i when uh they they opened me up to take the appendix out and sew me up because essentially when the appendix ruptures it's on the i believe the the big intestine all your shit goes into your body yep literal shit goes into your body so you are poisoning your body and when they opened me up they found Somehow or another, my appendix had ruptured, but there was a bubble that held everything back just long enough so that I wouldn't die by being poisoned by my own body. So the dudes were like, hey, if you guys would have waited because, dude, it was like a really I remember it. It's like there's a it's a pain I will never, ever forget in my life. I know one other person that's had their appendix rupture and they said the same thing. It is horrible. It's like a like the worst stomach ache that you can ever get, but it's on your entire body. And I remember being a seven year old kid, crawling on the floor, Jeffrey, Man. crawling, because it was just that and that pain was just that. And imagine, I mean, a, a, something in my body broke open. Right, right. You know, and a membrane in, in my body broke open. So right, I was crawling on the floor. My mom was just giving me. I remember she would. She gave me like some lemon water or some shit to help my stomach or some stupid shit. It turned out I was dying. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't a stomach. I was dying. And they were like, okay, well, let's take you to the hospital. When they took me in, they were like, hey, dude, you got to go to the OR like right now. Damn. Because you're about to kick rocks. <laughs> so that's my near death experience. And I mean, not saying that that's open, that's opened me up to a different, you know, apperceptive power to where I'm able to pick up, you know, ghost signals. But again, it's something, you know, my, my grandma, right? Cause she's the one that 
raised me in, in the religious household. I grew up with my grandparents, so I was always, you know, in a religious household. She's the ones that go, that's divine intervention. You know what I mean? Because you yeah. know how they say people have a greater. Th- Imagine if I would have just died at seven years old, bro. Now we wouldn't be. I'm, I'm 27 now. My birthday's in a couple of days. What if we wouldn't? I would have died. We would have never had this conversation. You would have never know, told right? me what you would have told me. I would have never looked about Boltzmann brain or anything. My entire podcast would cease to exist. There, there maybe wouldn't be the Juan Juan podcast. There might not be. That's fucking crazy. Or if there was, it's probably some fucking idiot talking about some other stuff, doing <laughs> movie reviews or some stupid shit. <laughs> or a true That's crime funny. podcast. Oh, God. You know? So it's crazy how life works. And I think that, I, I you know, I, I think that there is a natural balance to everything. I think sure. that there is this, the, the universe is always trying to find a, a homeostatic state. Right. Sure. You know, to where it needs to be balanced. And I think that's where you get some people being killed off and others not. So, you know what I well, mean? Well, and when when you don't hold any religious or philosophical dogma of what existence is or what is the truth, um, it allows you you talk about how amazing life is and all the things that had to happen for us to come together and have this conversation today. Well, that's one of the reasons that, you know, when when I let go of religious dogma, and it doesn't have to be religious, it can be philosophical, it can be whatever, it can be just your own internal monologue. If you let go of the way that you believe the world to be, if you let go of the way you think, what you think existence is, that opens you up to not just holding on to... to, to not holding on to what your rhetoric is like a comfort blanket or a teddy bear. It opens you up to valuing every conversation you have with everyone because you go, and that's something that surprised me when I let that go because I went, wow, I all of a sudden am talking to people and actually listening to them, actually listening to what they have to say and what they're, why they think what they think. And I'm talking, it can be the motherfucking butcher at the deli counter. And and often I, oftentimes it is for me, you know. And and you get to listen to people and actually listen instead of going, well, let me compute how I can come back with some clever retort to show them how their perspective is wrong, and it can impose the, you know, the dominance of my own rhetoric. You know, you stop thinking. So basically, instead of listening to prepare a retort, you're actually listening to somebody and to everybody. And it makes you value what, in my opinion, what the interactions you have with everyone. Because who's to know what someone's going to drop on you in some random conversation with some random person at the fucking gas station or whatever, or on a podcast, you know? But if you're listening through your own dogma and, and bias... You're never going to hear those things. You're never going to give a shit. You're never going to consider those things. You're never going to go, well, interesting. Let me make some notes while I'm talking to Juan to look into some shit that I've never heard of before, but sounds interesting. You know, and I mean, it just completely opens you up, in my opinion, to having your mind. What's the word? I don't know. Well, I've used the word open like 75 times, <laughs> but your mind more open. Um I think that's one of our biggest issues right now that 
language. We can't even find the words to describe a certain yeah. thing. So what's, what about all the words that we already have? Are those wrong to be able to, you know what I mean? Like to describe what we already have because like, I think they fall short for sure. Yeah. Like what is a tree? Well, right. It's thing this. that grows and converts carbon dioxide to oxygen. Yeah. But what is it? <laughs> you know, and you know it's what I've force, learned, bro? Like having right? a, having a four year old, they ask the craziest fucking questions. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There's a line in uh, one of the Star Wars prequels. I I forget if it was like Episode One or Two, whatever. And Yoda says something to Obi Wan Kenobi, and he says, you know, he's asking. There's Obi Wan's got this question. He can't solve this issue, and he comes to Yoda, and Yoda's in the middle of teaching a bunch of little younglings. And, you know, four or five-year-olds. And Yoda poses the question to the children. And one of the child gives the correct answer that Obi-Wan and Yoda, neither one could think about. Yoda turns to Obi-Wan and says, truly wonderful the mind of a child is in his weird fucked up way of talking, you know. And that's true until we teach them that they're, that they're wrong. And here's how you got it. Here's how you should think. <laughs> right? Um, or rather, not not should think, but here's... Not how you should think, but what you should think. And if I had kids, I think the coolest thing would be to teach them how to think. And like every great philosopher, you know, your hope would be that they don't just adopt your dogma and they come to their own mm -hmm. ideas. And not just a propping up of your ego, it's them learning to think for themselves. And hopefully even challenge you. Yeah, and that's why, like, when you know, I'm raising my kids, I'm going to pass, pass on the religious tradition of, hey, this is God, you know, be good, this is Moses, this is Noah, this is whoever. But when they get to my age and they start asking questions, I'm just going to tell my kid, hey, listen to the one-on-one -on -one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Just listen to the one-on-one -on -one podcast, and and I mean, you can feel free to question anything because I I think that's very important to. I agree. Not only be able to have an open mind and not so open that your brain falls out, how Carl Sagan says, but to be able to interpret ideas from a different lens, and that's something that that Nietzsche talked about, right? Perspectivism yeah. and perspectivism. What that is is we can never truly know an idea from a non-biased point of view. We're only comparing perspectives. Sure. Absolutely. I'm only comparing my perspective to Jeffrey's and so on and so forth, but we will never truly talk about something from a biased point of view. I may be like, to oh, talk from about an unbiased point of view, an, an unbiased, yeah, an unbiased point of view. I may like to talk about aliens and how, you know, they were the Anunnaki, but you see aliens from like a, other interdimensional aspect like oh well this is you know what i mean so it's not like yeah that physical to you even even though and even that's how you see even from the same topic you see different perspectives sure so but the neat thing is if you listen to different perspectives of the same thing you know like you can the way i look at it is <clears throat> that none of us have all knowledge that we're aware of um but maybe through conversations and listening to differing perspectives than your own maybe we can you and i can get a little closer to the truth by putting our ideas together 
than debating who's right. <laughs> you know, like if we can consider each other's perspective and put our, our, our ideas together and see what falls away and what sticks, then we're going to be potentially one step closer to the truth and to the answer and to the understanding the true na- the real nature of, of existence than we would be if we just debate who's right and who's wrong. Right? <laughs> I mean, it just seems futile. I mean, if, if we were all knowing, that'd be different, but we're not. So why are we arguing about who's right? Yeah. Yeah, but but that's part of <clears throat> that's part of the divide and conquer aspect, and that plays into the whole the the crowd argument. Where <laughs> well, I guess we'll get into that next time. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that 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 plays into that because it's a crowd can only understand an idea in its simplest terms, and and this this the crowd, and this is why it's important to read things, and 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 I. We have a rating scale on the Cult Book Club show with me and Thomas where it's it's like, do you just get a PDF copy of it? Do you read it or do you actually buy it and hold it in your library type of thing? Like we have like a scale and this right. one we we rated it as like you don't really need to have it in your library, but read it. You know what I mean? Right. So like it's like one of those type of things because this is a blueprint, bro, in order to be able to control people and essentially these groups, these, these crowds can only understand ideas at, at its simplest terms. Right. But it hints at the idea of there being lizard people because at its core, it's intellectual. It's an aristocracy that presents these ideas. And we know that this is what they do. The elites give you a problem. Then they give you a solution. Yeah. Then they do it all over again. Yeah. And I think that's the dialectic or whatever it's called, Hegelian dialectic or whatever the name of that. Oh, really? Yeah, I forgot what the name of the term is where it's like problem, solution, blah, blah, blah. it's like a, in a circle. Keep you otherwise occupied so you can't think about the real problems. Well, that's the thing because if you really look at it, the the you know, you have these generations of people, right? And they develop within each generation trigger words that they know that they can that they can set off in the next generation. For example, oh. right now we have the boomers, right? If you want to call them boomers. Mm-hmm. They know the shit that'll piss them off. You know, the shit that'll piss them off is dudes marrying dudes, chick marrying chicks, because they're old school. You know what I mean? They right. were part of that classical nuclear family. The wife stays home. The father provides. Sure. The mother stays home to, to you know what I mean? It was, it was, they were together for a long time. Now they've moved it to where you don't even have to really be married anymore. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. You just live with your spouse, you know? And then... There you have, you know, the, not, nothing against the LGBTQ. Uh, you know, I've had people on from that community on here. But you have this movement to where now it's like, okay, well, we're going to let chicks marry dudes, or uh, dudes marry dudes, chick marry chicks, and then let's push sexual things on children now. If you want to identify as a toaster, more power to you. So they are, they're already causing chaos within the system that they created. Because in the 1950s, yeah. it wasn't like that. Look at racism, bro. You know, right. back in the early 1800, late 1800s, early 18, whatever, we had slaves. Then what? Then they were pissing people off by taking slaves away. No. Yep. I need to own that human being. No. Yep. Then racism. You know what I mean? Like all this stuff. They create the problems. Yeah. And then they went, oh, it's 
social reformation or whatever you want to call and it. The problems know? are so thin if you really take a step back and look at them. But yeah, and they're just I think that they're just there to divide us. Like you said, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. It's an, because if the if the if the people united, oh my fucking god, can you imagine what that would mean for the elites? Never gonna happen, bro. They're it's, not gonna let it. It's too yeah. It's too diverse, and not only that, but we go back to. I don't language. think so. We have way we have way way more that unites us than separates us. Way more. I I think if 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 given the chance, if people weren't so gullible, mm-hmm. I think that we have a good chance to unite. Mm-hmm. as a species yeah no but we, we go back to the whole language barrier okay sure you have millions of people who are essentially isolated from let's let's use russia and the united states russians don't speak english most of them don't a high majority of them don't so how are you able to unite those people with the americans or you know let's say let's say that we wanted to come together and but, but isn't that in the book of Revelations, Jeffrey, where we're going to be under one world order and a united mm-hmm. government and all this shit? Yeah. So wouldn't that essentially bring forth the Ragnarok of the Christians? I mean, the, the <laughs> Revelation? <laughs> uh, no, not because that's supposed to be perpetrated by from the top down, right? That'd be like a unification. Well, basically be like ultimate tyranny, right? I mean, it'd be one, one bank, one government, one ruler being the Antichrist and so on and so forth. Um, but... I'm talking about the people coming together with the people, mm. not not being uh, structured together governmentally. You know, I mean, people realizing, you know what? There's no fucking reason to fight. Right? We, we all have the same basic needs, and we all have things to bring to the table. We can all help each other, and if we could do that, I think we'd be a lot further down the road, but... Ah, uh, I I hope I I dream of a of a world in a scenario where that can happen. I just <laughs> I don't have a a ton of hope for it at this particular juncture. Yeah, no, and especially right now with what's going on, right? There's so much. I I stopped, I stopped watching news. I used to watch Tim Pool a lot, and uh, you know I'll listen to Alex Jones every now and again, but they're just repeating the same shit over and over again. Yep. You know what I mean? And it gets mad. Like so they were mocking Biden this past week because he did a speech and then he turns around to shake someone's hand, but there's nobody there. Yeah, but it was <laughs> so, even more <laughs> even more disturbing that he turned around and stood looking behind him for like 10 seconds. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I was, that was really disturbing to me. <laughs> he's an automaton, bro. He's He's just like glitching out but but here's here's what here's what really makes me question all this Jeff. because you know we talk about conspiracies it's all fun and games right we we like to think and throw around all these ideas about crazy boltzmann brain and false awakenings and all this shit but it's like if these people and by the people i mean these reptilian overlords right this aristocracy that's at the very top that rules everything like have you seen the squid games yet no you should check it out. It's 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 again these elites are having these fucked up games, right? The Hunger Games with people and gotcha. people are dying and they're getting off on it. But if they're so smart, if they're in power and they have all the money and they have all the control, why are they not fucking smarter? Don't you think that they would put right somebody who can actually have a coherent sentence and put <laughs> right. together a coherent thought 
versus some old senile man if they were actually that powerful and that smart. Right. Unless there's a longer con to use to get Biden out of office, claiming claiming he's mentally unfit, and then you can install someone. No, that then was just install un- that person unelected. from the beginning. Maybe you knew you couldn't get that person elected. I think the election was massively manipulated to begin with, but, um, you know, I can't prove it. I don't know it. There's just too many weird things that happen. Are any of them definitive? No, but I've had maybe. It, go ahead. I've had it painted in a different perspective because I brought that up to somebody who's like really deep into politics and talks about this stuff all the time, and he was like, "What do you think matters to them? The bigger picture." Or four years of you making fun of some president that obviously right. isn't fit to rule. Right. It's like, what's the end goal? Well, the end goal for them is to eventually rule everyone and take over the world, right? You have all these people all throughout history, like Napoleon, who was talking about taking over the world. I'm like, how would you have taken over the world, bro? Like, if you show up somewhere, they wouldn't know who the fuck you were. Like, it, right. it, can you imagine how easy it was back then to get away with a crime? Like, in the... These old Western movies, they have a drawing of some guy. Like, oh, they're the most wanted. You know, it's a bounty on this guy. How would how did that get there? You know what I mean? Like, that's the most unreliable way. What if they already caught the guy and then you just happen to look like him and they take you too? That's fucked. Right. Well, I was just talking to uh, a client of mine who spent many years as a correctional officer. And he was saying that... Um, here where I live in Nashville, Tennessee, that until not too long ago that (laughs) apparently you could just simply say, go to the police station and say, hey, my neighbor hit me with a bat. And boom, there's a warrant out for your neighbor's arrest, right? And there's like no due process. And I was like, holy fucking shit. And he was like, yeah, it's not that way anymore, but it hasn't been that long since it has been. And I was like, whoa. That's yeah, because that, that's one of my biggest fears, bro. Because, you know, we talk about how how easy technology is to tamper with because, mm-hmm. I mean, that that's one of its downfalls. Like, you get hacked all the time. They, you know, they steal your credit card. They do all these things. How easy would it be to frame somebody for something that they... And what's the ultimate frame? What's the putting child porn on someone's computer? You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. That's like the main thing where they automatically just get you. So how easy would it be to just do that to somebody? And That's true. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I've known people who know people or related to people who have had this situation happen to them. You know, they were torrenting some movies off the Internet, something I do all the time. And it just so happened to be that one of them was something Uh-oh. that they were. Yeah, that they were fishing around for. Boom. If that's the actual story, I don't know. Okay, gotcha. if, that's, if that's the actual story, I don't know, but that's the way that they painted out. And I was like, damn, that sucks. But, I mean, if you're innocent, are you re- are you innocent? Or, you know, how they say innocent to proven guilty. But, bro, just from being related to something like that, mm-hmm. your life is over. You know what I mean? And that's one of yeah. my biggest fears, being accused of a crime that I didn't commit. Right. That's one of the scariest things is imagine how hopeless you feel, dude, just wanting to, like, hey, I didn't do this shit. Or even as a as a man, like hell, there is no uh, innocent until proven guilty. If if you're a man and any woman makes an accusation of sexual anything towards you, I mean, you imagine imagine going to a bar and hitting on a girl and she doesn't, you know, you're not her type. And instead of just 
declining you, all of a sudden she files, she goes to the police station and says you tried to sexually assault her. And motherfucker, ain't no guilty or innocent until proven guilty in that accusation. And that's the reason when I'm training clients, every second's on camera because your personal training is always going to be 75% women. It's just the way it is. And a male client working with a female or male trainer working with female clients, I live in fear of that. So every second I'm with a But you don't record the male clients, right? You like those? Well, but I identify as a as a straight female when I'm with them, so that's safe, right? <laughs> what the I'm waiting, fuck? I'm waiting to see what happens when when some 18 year old white guy flips the script on the identity. Oh god! Stuff and says, you know what? I want to go to this college, but I can't get a scholarship, and they all of a sudden identify as a black student and then you you will the NAACP will be forced to give them scholarship minority scholarship money if it's available or have to say it doesn't work like that well bitch if it don't work like that then don't work at all yeah that's (laughs) what I'm saying dude it's like well ethnicity well i don't believe in that because again these are just not not to feel the fire but these are these are social constructs that we've sure labeled ourselves with so you just have individuals exploiting these things right you know what i mean it's like well biologically well i heard one time angels are androgynous so why can't i be androgynous i'm like you bring up a good point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you bring up a good point. I'm not going to argue with that, but again, bro, I'm not somebody to, I'm not here to debate anybody about their ideas. I'm not here to call you out on your shit, Jeff, by you talking to, to imaginary people and all this shit. If, Hey, if that's what you experience. That's your reality. That's your subjective reality. Who am I to come and discredit you for, you know I think what I mean? You can challenge without discrediting. I think you can in a respectful way. In a, you, you you can respectfully um, push. You know, now when you get to a point of being belligerent, I think there needs you have to have rapport with someone before you can do that, right? Um, and you can't be condescending and da 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 da. But I mean, you can you can completely challenge someone's thought and and push them to think differently mm-hmm. or think consider their own thoughts. And I'm completely back to the ghost thing i'm completely willing to say you know i'm willing to concede that there's a chance that i'm for some reason like every six months some gas is getting released in my house it's making me hallucinate (laughs) i mean that that could be reality i'm not saying that just because i experience it it's real i'm saying this is a pattern that I'm, i'm noticing it's been that way my whole life it's getting more as i get older for some reason but that could be something could be freaking out in my brain every six months. I could have a fucking tumor for all I know of make, Jeez, making bro. me see shit. But yeah, you know, I'm so just because that's the difference, right? When people that have faith based beliefs, they say, Oh, well I've experienced you. God is real because I experience him as real. Mm-hmm. Well, no, <laughs> right? I mean, that, that makes God real to you. That doesn't mean that God is empirically real. Also doesn't mean God is empirically not real, right? It means it's real to you, mm-hmm. and I'm cool with that. But the second you start making those more 
absolute truth type claims, then that's a slippery slope in my opinion. But and this is it goes back to Rene Descartes, right? I think therefore I am. And but here's another thing. Right? So that was the whole that was the experiment. I think therefore I am. I can only prove that I'm a thinking thing because my mm-hmm. senses cannot be trusted. Okay. Sure. We're talking about false we talked about false awakening. We talked about the the Boltzmann brain. Now, I think, therefore, I am. So Nietzsche would argue, who's, you know, what is I? Who was I? But I can only prove that I'm thinking. Sure. I can't prove that you're thinking. Sure. How you can't prove that I'm thinking. So I'm part of your unreality, and you're part of my unreality. Hmm. So. Interesting. But then I guess it cancels itself out in a way, right? Because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like, wait, what is that? It's like a paradox. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, this is the only reality that is real is the one that you can experience. I can't experience your life, Jeff. Hmm. So are you even real right now, Jeff? What is real? Only, the only reality, the only thing that's real is your, would you say? The only thing that's real is your reality? Well, uh, so Nietzsche said, only focus on, he said, you know, be weary of those who promise you otherworldly goods because, you know, the famous God is dead, right? God is dead and we have killed him, da-da-da. But mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know the full quote. It's like, God is dead and we killed him, motherfuckers. Not, mm-hmm. hey, God is dead. Yeah. No, no, it's God is dead. Oh, my God. You know, like, oh. Right. So he said, only focus on this reality because it's the only one that you can experience. So don't focus on going to heaven because you can't, you don't know what it feels like to experience ever hell or Shambhala sure. or Agartha or whatever, wherever you want to sure. go. This is the only reality that you can experience at this point in time. That we know of. That we know of. That's the whole thing that we know of. Right. And don't you hate when you bang your mic? I do. <laughs> I was taking like a fluff or something on it off. And you know, what's one thing that, was like really I was thinking about the other day well number one I was I was I've been diving into alchemy I'm writing out an episode on alchemy and oh cool I've been you know about the homunculus and all this talk and I connected some dots because we grew up watching the symbolism bro we grew up watching these cartoons you remember watching oh I mean you're older than me right how old are you yeah uh 39 oh fuck you can't relate Fucking boomer. Yeah, you no, can't we, relate. We, we had totally different childhoods. I had He-Man <laughs> and G.I. Joe. <laughs> well, you remember that show, Powderpuff Girls? I can't say that I do. Damn, man. Anyways, in that show, essentially, what, what at the very beginning of that show, I mean, the whole premise of the show is he creates homunculi. He creates these little three girls. He mixes sugar, spice, and everything nice, and then accidentally he throws in chemical X, and you have these three little girls that come out of this cauldron right, with superpowers. And the homunculus is this little being that the alchemist supposedly was able to make. Mm. This little person about nine inches in length, nine to 12 inches, about a foot tall. 
that had superpowers. So if you think about how that's connected to all the mythology, you have leprechauns. Leprechauns are little hmm. people. Fairies are little people, right? In this show, the Powderpuff Girls, they're little people with superpowers. They're like superheroes. They have crazy strength and all this shit. Point is that we grew up watching this stuff. We grew up like Courage the Cowardly Dog, bro. Like on the first episode, I you know I put it on the other day with my son because I was like, hey, this is what we grew up on. You know, this is the shows that we grew up on. My wife grew up on it too. And it was like the first episode, bro, Hotel Room 666 and a half. On a no kid's show on the Cartoon Network. Wow. And it's like, well, was that put there on purpose because of a, some other occultic means or was it just put there to troll people? Was it right. put there just to, oh, we're, you know, the artist is bored. He's tired of drawing the same shit over and over again. Right. We just put a little symbol in here like the Rosicrucians did with the King James Version of the Bible. These little symbols so other Rosicrucians know what I'm talking about. Right. But I don't know, dude. I mean, this is just a bunch of shit that we've talked about today that... I like it. Makes no fucking sense whatsoever. And I think I left this conversation with more questions than answers. That's the best kind of conversation. (laughs) In my opinion, that literally... uh, if, If I leave a conversation going... I got shit to think about. That's the that's a win. That's the that's my favorite kind of conversation. Yeah, we didn't get to Matrioska brain, bro. Oh, do it man. next time. That's for the next time. Yeah, we got the Library of Babel. We have the World Brain, bro. We got a bunch of shit. Do all yeah. your episodes go completely <laughs> off the intended trajectory? Like. Like R, this is my third one with you. <laughs> like, do do all of yours go that way, or do they pretty much stay down the rabbit hole you're planning on? No, uh, so you know when when this is fully unscripted, as you know, and sure. we, I just hit you up. I was like, hey, bro, you know, I need to put up episode eighty seven. Have a hole in my schedule. 87, 88, 86, whatever. Who the fuck? Cares? So you fill it with me. I'm the spit pits. I get it. No, motherfucker, because I, <laughs> I always hit you up and you're always doing some kidding. occult weird shit somewhere. You're in like some esoteric mountain somewhere where you have no service. So you never write back to me. And then when I do, I'm like, hey, you want to do a podcast? And you're like, yeah. Hell yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, you need, I, you need to get back on that horse, bro. I know. I, I we're f- fixing to start my my podcast back up here in the next next couple of weeks here, but yeah, I you know sometimes my secret meetings take me out of out of cell range for a little bit. Are you my CIA handler, bro? You're talking to ghosts. Does go- are the ghosts talk to you about me? Like, not about you. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff, let's get the fuck out of here. You want to plug Do your it. stuff, and uh, we'll we'll save some some of the juice for next time. I like it. Want to plug your stuff before we head out of here? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Check out the Functionally Dysfunctional Show. Uh, you can find it at thefunctionallydysfunctionalshow.com. Find all the socials and episodes there. And, um, yeah, appreciate the opportunity to be on and to shoot the shit, talk about some cool ideas. Absolutely, bro. You know, it's always a pleasure having you on. Make sure to follow me on social media at the One One Podcast and also social media platforms. Join the Telegram. Join everything, Patreon. You guys are fucking awesome. Can't believe anybody listened to this. <laughs> so yeah, we'll catch you on the other side, you fucks. And stay, stay strange. Don't be a piece of shit. You know, love each other. And yeah, later. <laughs>